Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, whatever part of the world you are tuned in from. This is Funny Like Calm Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Worth. July 6, 2021. This is episode 116. As always, today's episode is brought to you by G Vegas Buffalo Sauce. For the spicy, sweet, savory taste of game time, there is only one G Vegas available at www.gvegas.webs.com. Go green, go fresh, get it shipped right to your door. I love buffalo sauce and I love comedy. Uh, today for this episode, he's been called more than once a Boston legend. We have a comedian uh, seen in the movie Eight Crazy Nights with Adam Sandler, Call Me Lucky, When Stand Up Stood Out, The Complex World, and What a Legendary Comedy Career. Chance Langdon, welcome to the show. Nice to see you, Dennis. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for being on. And gosh, uh, you've had a career most in Boston comedy would be envious of, but oh. <laughs> we got to start somewhere. Take us back to the beginning. When you were a young man, what made you want to be a comedian? When I was a kid, I could make people laugh. I'm talking like elementary school. Mm-hmm. So I just had, I was, I had a knack. E- even when I was young, uh, I actually wrote a parody. And I don't know if this is funnier now or not, but honest to God, I wrote a parody when I was five years old. And it was, uh, Elvis Presley was the thing, you know, that was happening. And, sure. and uh, you know how when you're a kid, you're, you have to tie your shoes, but you can't tie your shoes. So your mother ties your shoe, right? Mm-hmm. I actually did like a, an Elvis type of song, and it sound it doesn't sound like tying my shoe, but now that I've said it, and in this honest to God, this is no joke. I said, "Tie my shoe, I tie my shoe, I tie 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 my shoe." <laughs> honest to God, five years still old. Still funny. I, I laughed. It's still uh, yeah, five years old, and uh, yeah, I just I, I was. I was in there, you know. When I was a kid, I saw Rodney Dangerfield when he was when I was in elementary school, and I, I just thought, you know, he wasn't famous, but he was a character. And he did this bit, and, and uh, I never asked him, you know, when I was working with him. I think it would have, he would have been delighted, honestly. But he used to do this bit. I mean, to me, it was funny. I'm not doing it correctly, but he said, you know, a lot of a lot of comedians they want the adulation they want a standing ovation they want you to laugh like crazy not me i just want one of these all right that's all i want one of these appreciate what you're doing you could do whatever you want to do but just give me one of these wait a minute i know what you're thinking him one of these (laughs) kind of a weird bit (laughs) no honest to god that's a pretty dead so what, what was your first gig? You remember, what was your first open mic or where was the first time in front of an audience that you tried it out? Uh, Comedy-wise, it wasn't uh, the first thing I did on stage. Again, I'm going back to elementary school. I was in the fifth grade and my friend, two of my friends, classmates were up on stage playing the guitars 
And I was just, wow, what a thing. And immediately I got a guitar, you know, and I started playing. So I was like maybe 10 years old. I, I enjoyed it very, very much, you know. Another thing, again, I'm going back to elementary school, possibly junior high. I used to run home every day to watch Johnny Carson. He had a game show yeah. called Who We Trust. It's on five days a week, half hour show. And he was hysterical. I mean, I just thought he was dynamite. He was, he was irreverent, you know? And it was so much fun to see him in that, in that setting. So, I, I mean, to me, that was very influential. So but, did you, I mean, did you start doing open mics or were you performing for family or how, what was your first gig where you performed in front of an audience? Uh, there was a, you know, I had a, a rock band at a certain point too, you know, so I, I did that. Were you playing bars or clubs or what were you doing? Junior high, when I was in junior high, I had a, a rock band. Yeah. Uh, comedy wise, I, I would say this, I'm trying to think. I used to play a place in Beverly and it was called uh, Beverly, well, it was called Sandy's Jazz Revival. And then it was also Sandy's Concert Club. And I was doing musical stuff, you know, but I did have this comedy stuff I was doing. So it wasn't an open mic, I was opening up for different acts. Right, you know? okay, so you tried it out during your musical act. That's how you I tried, tried the comedy? Out my musical. Now one of those oh. gigs, one of those gigs, the headliner was Buddy Rich, you know, the great drummer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great jazz drummer. But he opened up with uh, comedy. You know, he's, he's, people think he's, or he's considered the greatest jazz drummer of all time. But he has the band behind him, and he came out front and just talking about his career, and it was funny, you know? And, and uh, I, I didn't mean to heckle him. You know, I was off stage. I was yep. kind of watching him. And I said, uh, and he's getting a lot of laughs, you know, and I said, hey, hey, buddy, you ever think about being a stand-up comedian? He said, I don't think so. And he flipped me the bird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it scared the crap out of me. But, you know. Teach you not to heckle, but right. So what, what was, when you first tried it, what was the crowd's reception? I mean, they're expecting music and you're giving them comedy. Did they enjoy it or I, did they reject it or? I was, you know, because of my experience. You know how to handle a crowd, right? Yeah. No, I had no fear, you know? Okay. Stand-up comedy wise, I mean, this is truly a trip. You know, there were only two comedy clubs originally. 1975 was the Improv in New York comedy store in Los Angeles. Right. Okay, so I uh, I tried to, I did a bit, I went to the improv, and by the way, I had hair down on my shoulders, gigantic beard. You were young and ready, right? Stone cold hippie. Okay. You know, stone cold, and I got the guitar, and they actually let me go on stage at that improv. You're not gonna believe who was on the lineup. There was Andy Kaufman, he was on the lineup. Ladka. Yep, Lacka. He was on. Larry David was hanging out in the back. Wow. I remember that. And I'm trying to think who else was on. Richard Lewis. He was on the David Letterman show a lot. I know there was some other people there, but the Andy Kaufman was such a unusual act. You know? He was different, right? He was doing all the things he became famous for. He was yeah. doing then, you know. But I get up on stage and 
I had this song called The Attack of the Bugs. Okay, and the first chorus is cockroaches got me running out the door. So I'm singing about, you know, well, I'll give you the first verse. Working on a routine day, sweating at my job until six, got home, I kissed the clock, got time to light, let my mind unlock, smoked a joint, but I lost my high. The bugs, the bugs came and I said goodbye, attack <laughs> on apartment floors, get back. I don't want no more. Who's that? Why don't you know? Cockroach has got me running out the door. You know, so I, be, I begin it, right? And then I stop and I say, I would like, uh, I would like anybody here to uh, do an imitation of a bug that bothers you. All right, so I go to this, this lady right in the front row and I say, uh, what bug bothers you? And she was, she was shy and afraid, you know? And then yeah. I, say, I realize it's hard to imitate the crabs. Oh boy. <laughs> I got a big laugh, right? Now there you I, go. I go to the next one, right? And there was this brutal heckler in the back. Get the hell off the stage. You suck. I'm not kidding. I, I mean, a brutal heckler. Right. I've never seen a heckler this bad. So, so this guy's heckling me, and Larry David in the back started screaming and yelling at the guy, getting his face. Right. It was it was pretty weird. So that was New York. I was driving cross country. Turning into a scene right there, right? Turning into a scene. <laughs> and uh, but I drove to Los Angeles. Uh, along the way, I was stopped in Nashville. I did a show there musically. Right. But I get to LA and uh, I drive by, and I got I hate to tell you, and I don't drink much to tell you the truth, even to this yeah. day. But good for you. I was kind of shattered because I went out there to meet my girlfriend. She was in love with somebody else. Oh, that'll do it to you. I'm driving up Sunset Strip, right? And yep. I look to the left and I see the comedy store. And the comedy store then, they didn't call it an open mic. They called it potluck. Yep. That's what they call it. So I drive by and I go, I'll check this out. I walk in and I, what, what's going on? And they said, well, you sign your name up. They never even used the word open mic. I go, great. Now, and by the way, I had a weird look, like I said, along here, but I had this strange looking hat, not quite like a cowboy hat, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I go on stage and I had a bit that I still do to this day. And it was a true comedy bit. And that was singing the Three Stooges alphabet song. I don't know if you remember that. D.I., Mickey, I, something like that. I remember it. <laughs> That's it. And so I do it, you know, and, and this crowd's jacked. Again, it's the one of only two clubs in America. Okay. So I go up there, I do that song, and then I get off. Missy Shores has an assistant, and she comes up to me and she says, Missy wants you to be a regular. Wow. The legend herself, Mitzi Shore. Mitzi Shore. So you yep. weren't even planning to go here? You were visiting a girl and just happened by and stopped in? This wasn't your plan to go to the comedy star? It's also a songwriter, you know, so I... Yeah, yeah. You know, it attracted I was, you, right. I made, made some good connections. But anyway, she made me a regular right off the... Wow. Right so the first gig, this, this is crazy. She had two clubs. She had the one in Hollywood. She had one in a part of LA called Westwood. 
Right. That was where the young one started in Westwood. And then if you made I, it there, you got to go to the comedy store, right? I think so. I think that's yeah. what it was all about. But I go there. It's the God's truth. The first uh, the first show, the host was Jay Leno. The Boston legend. Yep. Joe was yeah, Jay Leno. I almost called him Joe Leno. But uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 he... So he was the host. He was on the Boston science scene for a long time, Jay. He was on the scene in Boston. He was going to Emerson College. And he was playing these different, almost like what I was doing, opening up in these different places for other acts. Right, yeah. Can't quite remember where he was. But anyway, I heard of his name even back then, you know? So he's the host. And I had this gruesome song. We can can do swears, right? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I had this gruesome song called Eat Shit. And it, <laughs> Quite the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catchy, though. Well, yeah, yeah. One minute, <laughs> I, one, one minute I painted my house. The next second it fell down. I gave my friend some food to eat, but he fell onto the ground. So what do you do when you keep on losing and you want to change this world? You just... Keep on walking through the same old shit. And it isn't Eve wormed her way to this pit. Eat shit. You Eat know? shit. There right. you go. Yep, rule song, right? And Jay Leno comes up. I, I can't do a good impression, but I'll try, okay? He goes, okay. Oh, yeah, I was transplanted, transplanting with this new hit. Eat shit. <laughs> Tune him next week when he sings, Go Fuck Yourself. <laughs> He'd be on the golden oldies there. Yeah, yeah. And and David Ledman was on the show, right? And and I'm I remember sitting in the back, you know, I went on after David Letterman. Yep. David Letterman is in the back and he goes on stage to God's truth. He's bombing completely. Now I gotta know, you know, there's an audience there at that point. And he's up there on stage and he's bombing big time. No one's laughing at all. To the point that people were leaving. They walked out. He was walking the room. He was he walked the room and I'm sitting in the back. Get the fuck off the stage. Give me a chance, will you? You suck. And it was David Letterman, I swear to God. And I don't even recall. Yeah. This will trip you out completely. So I'm going back to the comedy store, and already a click was forming. And here was this this is the God's truth. It was Jay Leno talking to David Letterman, talking to Tom Dreesen. Does that ring a bell? Tom Dreesen. Um, Dreesen rings a bell, yeah. Johnny Dark, who I thought was the funniest guy there. And he ended up being in Vegas. Uh, so there's, there's the, they're just talking like a, a click. I'm out, out Legends door. before they were legends. Yeah, before, but they already formed like a click, you know? Right, and, right, yeah. And I'm outside it, you know, I'm just shooting, the, you know, I'm not even talking to him. I'm just out on my own. And I see David Letterman there and I go, hey, David, how you doing? He goes, not bad, how you doing? I go, well, pretty good for a guy who's sleeping in his car. God's truth. I was well, that's a good point. Now, you know, back in like nowadays, we got the internet. You can be a star from anywhere. But back in the day, you had to sell the TV, sell the couch. I mean... Quit your job, go to LA or New York. You really had to go for it back then, right? I was sleeping on the car, sleeping in my car. You chose to go for and, it. And you know what he says? This is the God's truth. He says, I want you to stay at my house. 
My oh. wife, my wife won't understand. I want you to stay at my house. And I go, ah, don't, don't worry about it. Honest to God. He was a weatherman on TV, uh, like a regular weatherman on a, you know, nightly. Yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. Was, uh... yeah, yeah. So he was making, he had to be making 500 grand a year, you know, being a weatherman in a major, uh, I think he was possibly from Indiana, maybe. I think I've seen the story and I can't remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he was, you know, he had a lot of coins, so he probably owned a house. Right, so did you go? I didn't go. didn't go, ah. Yeah, yeah, big mistake, you know, but. uh, All right, so Mitzi Shore made you a paid regular at the comedy store. What was that like for you being a paid regular? Uh, it wasn't a paid regular. It just you're uh-huh. right. not getting. In fact, no one was getting paid. Oh, that's right. They had the big strike there because nobody was getting paid. Right? Yeah. Okay. But I mean, did it give you prestige where that led to paid gigs by performing there? Or again, there weren't any comedy clubs. Okay, so that was it. Basically, there were no, gigs, no gigs in the suburbs or any of that stuff. Oh, you know? I see. I'll tell you one thing, Dennis. She never forgot me. And, you know, I eventually left LA. Maybe I was there for maybe, uh, I'd say six months or so. Yeah. Uh, and so when I split and went back to Boston, since 1975. So I get married and I have a baby, you know, so I go, I gotta, slow you down. I, well, I got to make a living. So what I did was, cause I could play the guitar and I could sing and I knew popular songs. Uh, I had a friend who's such a cool way of doing like a, a lounge gig. Yeah. I'm up there. My friend did this. I, I knew music. So, I mean, I knew the melody of every song. So I would, I could instantly play the melody by learning the lyrics was a pain in the ass, you know? So a friend of mine used to do this on stage. He had like a music stand to the left, you know, nobody could see it. And he had the lyrics to every single song so he could sing, almost like a teleprompter and read the lyrics. And that's what he did. So I didn't have to learn the songs, you know? So I was able to make a living uh, to to get by, you know? But eventually I was doing like comedy stuff. I was easing it in and then boom, like around 78, everything blew, you know, blew up all around the country, the comedy book. Right, right. And in Boston, it was the Comedy Connection and then the Ding Ho. The famous Ding Ho. That's where I wanted you to take us right there. Tell us about the Ding Ho days. Uh, it was very exciting. Uh, I headlined on Saturday nights. And that was Lenny Clark who started that room, right? Or Barry uh, Crimmins, but I mean, Barry, Barry Lenny kind of ran the show, right? Ah, uh, no, I think Lenny was more like, he had the open mic on oh, Wednesday. he had the open mic then, okay. The open mic on Wednesday night, but it was a good show. And, and Lenny was uh, a firebrand, if that's the right word. I mean, he was, he really had charisma up the yeah. game. You know, he's on stage, he just had, I, I would say a charisma you can't teach. You could tell he had it, right? Yeah. He had it. He was a classic, swaggering stand-up comedian. That's what oh. I thought. Tell us some stories of the thing, Ho. What do you remember of the place? Yeah, yeah. Well, so Friday night, I was headlining, selling out two shows. Yeah. I used to do a bit. It was so unique. Uh, I mean, in some ways, funny. If they did a video of this, it would be very funny nowadays. What I did was, 
I said, you know, I always had a dream of being on TV. See that window over there? See that window right to the left of the stage? The window looking out? I'm going to go on TV. So I went outside the building and they held me up. And oh, I'm, looking, I'm looking through the window like I'm on TV. Like you're on TV, and, okay. And, and I had a mic, so I was doing the bits. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's off the wall, you know? But I, I'll tell you, I thought Stephen Wright was, uh, he, he was just, I, I really did believe he was the most unique. He was different. That's what they look for in comedy. They want something yeah. different. He was different for the time, yeah. yeah right, right from jump, he had the whole stage persona down. He had the whole... Right. You got to have a good physical presentation. He had, it, you know. I mean, the mic is in his face. He's looking straight out. Deadpan. <laughs> All these guys that went to Emerson College had something going for them ahead of the game, you know. Yeah, yeah. A lot of good. Jay Leno went there himself, and uh, and also uh, Paula Poundstone probably, and Dennis Leary went there, and it just an endless stream. So I, for some reason, a lot of talent there, yeah. You wouldn't believe, you know, who went to college here? You're not going to believe this in the 40s, because it was around in the 40s. After he got out of World War II, Norman Lear. Norman Lear, wow. Norman the legendary Lear. television personality. Well, well, he created uh, Stanford and Son, All in the Family. Good oh, times. <laughs> good times. And yeah. you, know, you mentioned that. The big star at the comedy store was Jimmy Walker. Jimmy Walker. I booked Jimmy Walker. He was a great guy. I got to hang out with him for a whole weekend. He was. Yeah, he's a very nice guy. And he was just, he was a star. He yeah, was yeah. just good times. And I mean, so he was, he was in my mind, the biggest star in America as in terms of doing comedy in, in those days, right, 75, yeah. you know, when yeah. I saw him, you know? So uh, the ding hall was, it was good. It was a lot of fun. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, every every comedian knows the story that The Tonight Show, one of the producers or directors, his kid was looking at college out here. He called up. He heard about you guys. Can you set up a special night? I want to see all you guys. And Stephen yeah. Wright was the one who won The Tonight Show. But were you there for that night? Were you on I, that lineup? Or? I wasn't there for that night. I was out of town, unfortunately. You know? Okay. But, <laughs> see, yeah. I had Bill Campbell on, and Bill said, I, I had to work that night. I couldn't make yeah. it. Nobody, he said nobody took it serious. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's What you just said is true about, <laughs> about uh the guy I was there to see uh, going to college. You know, I was watching. Did you see the Jimmy Tingle, uh, the benefit he was doing for uh, Barry Crimmins' wife? Had for his came. wife, right. Yeah, he did a replay this year, right? Yeah. He did a replay just the other night, you know? Right, yeah. And they were talking about, and I didn't. Here's another thing will crack you up. When I first did that, I did my spot and I split. <laughs> you know, okay. But this is the first time I saw everybody talking and then their bits. Yeah. Doing the interview with Jimmy and then the, uh, they would show a bit, you know, a segment, you know. Right, sure. right. Yeah. What was going on? Yeah. Like a documentary, right? Yeah. It was like a documentary. And the really interesting thing was they were talking about coincidence. So for Stephen Wright, that was. A coincidence that that guy happened to be there that night. Oh, right time, right place. That's everything in comedy. Right yeah. time, and here's the story I never even knew. Barry Crimmins, who started the Ding Ho, all right, he was hitchhiking to New York and he got on, he got, you know, he's coming from upstate New York. 
and they get to the point where there's a fork in the highway. You either go right to New York or you go left to Boston. Right. And the guy says, I'm going to Boston. I let you off here. You can come with me to Boston. So we went to Boston. I mean, <laughs> Better than walking, right? That was a coincidence. Right. And that's what, that's what they were talking about. And possibly Stephen Wright said that, that all of these things kind of lined up, you know? But yeah, I, I remember who was on that show. Who were the guys on that lineup? I know Lenny was there and Stephen Wright, obviously. But other than Lenny, that. Lenny was there. Uh, Primus himself was there. I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure who else is there, you know, but a lot of guys ended up going on a Tonight Show. Jack Gallagher was a comedian out of there. Okay. Sean Maury. Um, trying to think of some other ones. I think they were the ones that went on the Tonight Show. You know what's weird, Dennis? What's that? I think going on the Tonight Show, you're going to think I'm crazy. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> you, you might have it in your mind that it's not easy, but it is easy. I mean, I've been there. I've seen, I've seen guys on the show that I'm going. I'm at least as good as these guys, if not better. I'm saying I hate right. them, but you know, I saw the, the, one of the most amazing things I saw. I had a friend there at the comic store, and this is what I wanted to mention. Mrs. Shore never forgot me. And whenever I came to town, she always gave me primo spots. I sent you the lineup. I yeah, yeah, you were on with some big names there: Letterman, Leno. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lustein, Quasman, I've had them on, yeah. Yeah, Quasman was there. Uh, yeah. I mean, so she she put me on. And then, you know, because here's the weird part. All these guys that are there, they got to go on the road right. to make a living. I'm in Boston and I'm making a living. And I'm getting, I can do, it's like a perfect workout place for me. I can constantly get stuff going on. And as I said, I would go out there every once in a while. She always put me on. And then one night, you know, because I've been working out so much in the comedy that I had it, you know, I was getting a good act, you know? So she sees me and she goes, oh, I can't do her. Oh, Chance, oh, Chance. You've gotten so good, Chance. Uh, she made me a regular at the main room. They oh, have boy. Three rooms there. They have the original room, which was really a cool room. No <laughs> they call it. it. Was all it was dark. I saw Sam Kinnison. I saw everybody. Sam Kinnison would go on last. Tell us about Sam. That's that's the guy I got involved with comedy because of he changed the game, Sam. But what do you remember of Sam? First time I saw him, I'm going, this guy's like Beethoven, you know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he's like, you know, I can't do his act, but you know, it's, it's like, uh, well, I. Uh, He's talking really softly, you know, kind of bringing yep. in. I again, it's not not even an impression, but something like, I know, I know that I want to do things. <laughs> and he would <laughs> out of nowhere, right? Well, I'm going, holy moly, you know. I every I saw everybody there imaginable. I saw everybody, you know. Well, again, like Stephen Wright, that was different. The screaming thing was different. Nobody had done it. When you can do something different, you get noticed. Yeah. yeah. You know who was great. Uh, Jim Carrey. He oh, was, facial expressions, right? He, he was like a living cartoon on stage. He would do these impressions, and it was like a cat. He made his body into a caricature, you know, and he had a lot of energy. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But th this is an obscure thing. But he did a he did an impression of the movie on Golden Pond. It was a drama. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. 
Yeah, and it was, it started, it started Henry Fonda, Jane Fonda. I can't remember the other one's name, the other son, I can't remember his well, name. It was a long time ago I saw, I was a kid when I saw that. Yeah, Catherine Hepburn. Hepburn, there you go. Did an impression of all of them, like they were cartoons. Oh. And I was dying, in a, and he's, you know, funny stuff. I and heard he always got a standing ovation. Every set he did, he could get a standing ovation for. He was on fire. Yeah. And I heard of him years before because I was working at Dangerfields in New York City. Yeah. That was a thrill all the way. I was headlining there. Then you I actually got to open for Rodney, right? How, how did you get discovered did, by him? We did gigs uh, in the United States, you know, and uh, the picture I sent you, that was me and him backstage in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, that was a blast. And another thing, and, and you'll know this, and, and if you have not experienced, you will experience it. When you're in a concert hall, it's easier. Oh, there's so many people. Yeah, laugh so the carries. Yeah. The sound is perfect. The lights uh -huh. are on you. They're in the dark. It's like a movie, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and then as long as you're in rhythm and you got it down, you're going to just blow them away. Well, I've always said, if you can get a drunk who didn't even know there was comedy that night laughing, you've accomplished something. If you're in a big hall like that, it's easy. They expect yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. it's like, uh, I, I use the word energy. It's like a ripple effect, you know? I mean, so yeah. it, it was cool. But what happened was Rodney's business partner, Dangerfields, said to me, and, and he used to, it was wonderful. He used to put ads in the paper, you know, this guy's name was Tony Bavacqua. They put ads in the paper, and there's my picture in it, the New York Post. And I go in there, and he's showing me all these different pictures, different headliners. Go, see this guy here? He's going to be a superstar. And it was Jim Carrey. Oh. And Jim was opening for Roddy Dangerfield, too. So when I was out in L.A., I said, geez, Jim, I've been waiting to meet. He was on uh, In Living Color at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, hey, Jim, been waiting to me. I taught Tony Dangerfield to tell me you open. I opened for a really, man. And he became an instant friend. He was so happy. Right, yeah. You know, and then, of course, I split L.A. So I'm going back, you know, it wasn't like, he was exceptional in my so Was he the one who got you the gig opening for Rodney? No, no, I opened for Rodney prior to that. So how, how did you get that gig? How did that come about? Right out of Dangerfields. He called me they, up. They just saw you set like that and you're open well, for Rodney? I was headlining at the club. Okay. You know? And so the owner, Rodney's business partner, yeah. uh, called me up. Rodney, we want you to open for Rodney. And that was it. You know? <laughs> Were you speechless or what do you say to a call like that? I don't even know. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think, you know, I, I can't say, well, yeah, I was, thank you. Oh man, Tony, thank you so much. You know, well, I had Tom Carter on. Tom Carter said George Carlin called his phone and he said he was too nervous to pick it up. He just let it go to voicemail. I'm like, you didn't know about he let see a phone for George Carlin? He, I was too nervous. I can't imagine, but I mean, you must have Rodney Dangerfield's calling. That had to be a thrill. Yeah, you know what Dangerfield's was? Uh, it was an interesting place because it was old school. And I mean, going way back, I mean, Rodney's colleagues, you might say. Red yeah. Fox, you know, you know him, right? Sanford. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sanford is on, yeah. He was on, he was, you know, he was the Legend. most, the most obscene act on the face of the earth. Oh, he and, was the dirty comic before prior, before he, he was the original dirty act. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard Pryor was not totally dirty, you know, he was like almost right. like a 
pitcher, you know, he would do different things, telling, but Red Fox was like, bang. Yeah, man, yeah. Well, Pryor said that Fox was one of his influences. That was a guy who inspired Pryor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you know who was in that circle? I used to love watching him at the comedy store. Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney was R Richard Pryor's uh, writing partner. Okay. He played the piano and was sort of surly. He came on like a black guy who hates white people, and it was just an act. <laughs> right. You know, it was bluesy, and he's playing the, the piano so good, you know, but he was like, you know, it was just funny, you know, because when you meet him on stage, that's not the it's guy. definitely not who he is. It's, it's yeah. all an act, right? Yeah, it was an act, you know. Well, but, they said that uh, about the Dice Man. He got picketed forever. He's like, it's just an act I'm doing. Take a joke, you know. <laughs> Yep, uh, he was uh, just dice. He did that one of those Dangerfield specials on HBO. And yeah, same thing was saying. Rodney same. broke a lot of people, but what was he like off stage? What was Rodney? Was he the same as on stage? Or? Very laid back, yeah. almost, almost shy. Really? Laid back and shy and very uh, a gentleman, I would call him. You know, he was soft spoken, really. Yeah. And, but he liked. You know, so we start talking about comedy, and I wrote a couple of jokes, and he used them. I saw that, you know, when he went on the Tonight Show, right, right, yeah. he a couple of my jokes. He, he writes almost all his stuff, but he would, he was open to people telling him, you know, you know, okay, whatever so you got, well, let, let me hear it, you know. Did he, he give was, you any pointers on your act or anything, or? You know, we didn't really talk about that. I could tell you, here's what I see, you know, for what it's worth, here's, here's my perception of comedy okay there's three things there's three styles in my mind okay distinctive styles i call it this one-liners yeah. storytelling yeah. and i would call it there when they call it observational humor that would be like jerry seinfeld or jay right. leno too yeah. you know He's, so i think those are the three styles okay, okay. my style is stand-up is mainly one-liners, yeah. you know? So Rodney in inspired me big time. Also, you get those three. Now, it's not all written in stone. I mean, you could have some go, you know, together. Bill Cosby, I know he's a jerk, but he was the greatest. <laughs> he's free story. now. He they just let him out. They let him out. Everybody's happy, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so he was the greatest storyteller in my mind, you know? And then... Uh, I think Jerry is probably the best uh, observational, just for me, you know? And this is unreal. I auditioned to be Kramer, I swear to God. Really? I swear to God. It was <laughs> close, but no cigar, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you can say you did it anyway. Yeah, I did it. And you, a good thing, you have to have specific goals. So when anybody comes up to you, unless you have an incredibly hip manager who, who knows what can be done. And I never had one of those guys, uh, but I know now, you know, way too late, you know, but you've got to have a specific, like what you're doing now. That's perfect. What you're doing now, you created your own. Yeah. It's getting a much bigger response than I anticipated when I started. That's for sure. You're doing good, Dennis. I've seen the other uh, episodes and uh, it looks great. I'm a hustler like you. I heard you were a big hustler back in the day. You were outworked everybody. I'm, I'm outworking everybody. That's what I'm uh, doing. So. Yeah, yeah. That's what I did. You know what happened, Dennis? I, again, I have a wife, my little daughter, you yeah. know, and I'm going, I said to myself, I want to buy a house. Now, way back then, 
the real estate wasn't that expensive, you know, and so I ended up buying a house, you know. I, I had to, there's a upside and a downside to being hustling around. Right. A lot of people, and I'm going to tell you, the God's truth, they resent. They resent your yes, success. Oh, they do. I've experienced that, yeah. You're seeing that, right? And then if, you, you know, in your case, you got your nice show and you got your comedy club. Was it Joke in the Box? Is that what Joke in the Box, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, you, you've done this. You've created something unique. Right. No, one has, no one had that name <laughs> in all of America. I mean, that's a great... It's a great name. Well, the so, thing is, you can only put three comics on a show, and they want you to put 50. Everybody wants a spot. And I can't book everybody, and you end up being a jerk. That's how it works, you know? Well, well um, if you have an open <laughs> mic, right, you can say to them, hey, look, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited you want to work with me. Uh, Here's an open mic. Everybody right. wants to start at the top, though, Chance. Nobody yeah. wants to pay the dues anymore. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. you got to you got to build. And remember yeah. what I Okay. Well, we I, get that. We're old school. These kids don't get it. Yeah, yeah. But again, now I'm going back to the street styles, okay? Okay. Okay, you got that. Now you have to have a physical delivery that's distinct. Rodney, you know, he's got the tie, you know, he's moving his head, right? You've got Johnny Carson, his hand behind his back, he's perfectly coordinated. You know, I, uh, I went down to sardines and you know he's got that physical thing uh -huh. and then um Stephen Wright another one you know he's got that mic in his face man, yeah. he's meandering on the stage so that's a physical delivery I, I can't tell you how to do that I can say that try to do it you know see me could figure something out but I can't I'm not the expert I, I always master it right and then now and now here's the here's the thing do it in one minute. I call it the one minute. The first, I call it the first minute. The first minute you're out there, you're doing that. You got a style, you got a physical delivery, you have a persona. Persona, you know, Rodney Dangerfield, you know, no respect. The, the roof is caving in, that's his persona. Right. Stephen Wright, I'm in outer space, you know, I'm looking- Decide whether the crowd likes you or not in the first minute, right? Yeah, you got to get it. You got to blow them away in one minute. Right. Five minutes is a long time. You know they're telling you to do five. Do one minute. If you blow them away, if you blow them away in one minute, yeah. Say hey, come on back. Five is easy, right? You know. So I think that's just my my take. Who who are some of the comics that that inspired you? Who are some of the mainstream guys? Obviously Rodney, but who are the guys you looked at and really said, "Wow, I'd like to be like him." Yeah, it's it's going way back. Okay, Red Skelton, I thought was great. You probably don't know who he is. But I know he is. You you know him. You heard of him. Yep. He was just a uh, wonderful, uh, likable guy on stage. You know, and, and he was more of an actor really because he did characters. You know, yeah, characters. Uh, and he had a big influence. Again, you probably don't. Do you know Bob Nelson? You ever hear of Bob Nelson? Bob Nelson, he was one of Rodney's uh, young comedian yeah. specials. Did the football guy and the, yeah. The football guy, yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah. He was sort of like Red Skelton, you know, he's playing these different right characters, right? You know, so he he created that thing. I like a guy again. It's very obscure. His name is Ernie Kovacs. Now Ernie Kovacs was totally off the wall, and he had a syndicated show, so it wasn't on the major networks. You know, the network would play it, but 
It's called syndicated in those days. And it was on Sunday night at 6.30 at night, just once a week. And he was so off the freaking wall. I mean, I thought he was, he was great. I saw everybody I saw, I thought was exciting. You know, just about everybody I saw on TV, in the movies or whatever, you know? Here's, here's a, a thrill, I'm probably, I, I was at the comedy store and I'm looking at this guy, he's on stage and, and he's blowing the house out. And I'm saying to myself, I'm not as good as this guy. <laughs> I'm not even close and I'm watching him, you know? It was like, and now I'm talking like, I already have been a comedian. So this is like in the eighties. Like yeah. I said, I would go back out there every once in a while. So I'm seeing this guy and well, this guy's great. It was Gary Shanley. Oh, legend. Gary Shanley, right? And we have a mutual friend, his name was Robert. And Robert took me, he was, when he was doing his thing, he was getting ready for the Tonight Show. And I went to the Tonight Show yeah. to see him, his first shot on the Tonight Show. He blew the house out, completely. Really? You know, look Did he get the him. wave, come on over to the couch. You are a made comic if you got the wave from Johnny, right? I'm not, I'm not sure if you get the waves. I we don't. get the okay. That was the Johnny's okay. Okay, you know, but uh, Stephen got the couch, you know. Yeah, yeah. You were a made comic back then. I mean, if, if you got, that was it. You were working comic forever. Well, Stephen Wright, this is so funny, right? Uh, so they had him on three days later. They had him on yeah. twice in one week. One week, yeah. Right? And, uh, and Stephen is very laid back, you know. And, and so he was obviously pleased, very humble, you know, and easygoing. And uh, they have him back. So the next week, there's a club called Stitches. It was at the Paradise, yeah. uh, part of the Paradise. At this point, there's comedy clubs all over the kingdom come. Oh, and yeah. Bowling Alley was a comedy club everywhere. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. You know? So Stephen Wright is walking up towards Stitches, and I'm walking away from Stitches. Oh. And I hear again, I hear a soft voice, uh, Jags, Jags, Jags. I look up, I go, Stephen, congratulations, that's fantastic. He says, and this is the God's truth. This guy's got his uh, lawnmower here, little sound effects. Can you hear All it? All right, we got it, I hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really annoys me. We still hear you, don't worry. There's a groundskeeper where I live, you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't stand him, but he's gone now. All Maybe right. he'll come back. So Stephen says, yeah, I go, congratulations, Stephen. He goes, again, I can't do an impression. I'll try my best. Uh, I, get a, I get a problem. What, what, what's the matter? I did 10 minutes. I only have 10 minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> he had 20 minutes. That's it, huh? That was it. You know, and legendary Stephen Wright back in the day. Who knew, right? Overnight sensation. Yeah, that's how it happens that quick. Well, you've had a legendary career, too. Let me name some things here and just be quick about it and just tell me what, what you remember about these things. Yeah. ABC's uh, The Rick D Show Into the Night. You were on that. What do you yeah, remember? Yeah, Tonight with Rick Dees. Uh, that was a very, that was a lot of fun. Did you ever see the show or did I've you? I've heard of it. I think some old I, I, reruns, so I think, it, it was late night uh, against competing with Carson. And I can't remember if there's anybody at CBS. This was ABC. I got to tell you the God's truth. I highly told anybody this, we're going to tell you now. All right. Again, when you're in LA, here's the deal. You know, you're not making hardly any money at all in the clubs, the comedy, even at the comedy store, 
even when, when they got the money, maybe 25 bucks. Yeah, right. Gas money if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, 50 bucks, you know. Yeah. In LA, in New York, they also, they always call it cab fare. Now, Dangerfields paid very good money, and, and they were very nice to me. They had a, Rodney had a studio apartment slash office right next to the club. Yeah. And they let me stay there whenever I came in town. So they were very, very nice. Because he knew what it was like. He knew what it was like to be a struggling comic, right? Yeah. And, and so you play the other clubs and they had. They don't know what it's like. Seven bucks a show. Right. right? Seven bucks. And they called the cab fare. Because they were all out there, you know, trying to make it happen in those two major places. You know? Right. So at the, uh, the comedy store, I'm not sure where I was going with this. Oh, I, I forgot where I was going. Do you remember what I was saying before? Uh, Oh, Rick Dees, you were saying. Rick, Rick Dees, Dees, we're talking about, yeah. I'm saying you never know who's going to be New York. So I'm in another club called Igby's in West L.A. This yeah. is a club, too, you know? And this is when the clubs are all over the place. And a guy sees me, guy, you know, older gentleman, gray hair, uh, distinguished-looking guy, and he's got this uh, beautiful black lady, younger, right? And they come up to me. Which, here's the deal. If you have a great set, you're in, you know? So those are the odds. Yeah. You can do it. We've done it, you know? So when you, if you hit that great set right at oh, the, yeah. right, the right place. Well. That's so a guy comes up, he gives me his card. He's the fucking, the president of ABC. Wow. Right? And, the, and the woman was the uh, director of, uh, the head of comedy at ABC. Yeah. You know, so here they were, and it's very, very strange. So I call up the lady, and she was kind of a scatterbrain when I called her up. And, and she says, uh, oh, you know, I thought this would be the right thing for you. And, and it's like with these people, you need, you, you need a manager. That's really what you need. You need somebody talking to them. Right. You have to filter out what's going on. A middleman, yeah. Yeah, a middleman. And it could be anybody. You know, it doesn't have to be you know, Woody Allen's manager, uh, you know, it doesn't have right. to be the best manager in the world, you know, so somebody to just speak for you is very important. So now the guy, the, the president of ABC, yeah. obviously, it's very difficult to get a meeting. You oh, know? yeah, I imagine. And I'm calling on my own maybe once a month. And finally the day came, come on in. Your secretary, oh. you know, Phil's going to see you. And I had a manager at the time who was honestly he just wasn't good, and he wasn't he wasn't hip, yeah. kind of like uh, just rolling the dice, you know. If something comes up, you know. But at any rate, I go into the meeting, and and this is what I said earlier: you have to have an idea of exactly what you want to do. I go into the meeting, and sorry, chance you got your hour. What do you want to talk about? I had nothing to talk about. <laughs> You thought they were going to tell you what to do, right? That's right. That's absolutely right. I thought they were going to tell me what. To okay, do. yeah, right, right. Right. Now, if I had to do over again, now, this is the God's truth. Live and learn, right? But I, I felt it could have been done. Now I'm getting into real uh, hyperbole or maybe, you know. What or could I, if, it, if I could do it again, right? Right, if I could do it again. Now, here's what I would have said. I would have said, Phil, I'm old school. All the way, so let me do stand up so I can do a monologue. So he said, 
I go, number two, I'm a musician. I'm a professional musician, so I could jam with other artists. Uh, I love laughing at people. So I'd be very easy going, Phil, I want my own late night talk show. And I, uh-huh. swear, I, bet, I swear to God, he would have done it. I know we would have. That would have sold it, right. Well, you had to learn that. Let's see. But, uh, right. So it would have been, been me against Jay and David. Jay and Letterman, right. Right. And, and again, we're going back. I was with those guys. You started out with them, right? Yeah, yeah. Right at the comedy store, you know? The late so, Night Wars. I felt like I could have pulled it off, honest to God. You know, could have, should have. You never know. Everybody misses opportunities. You can't do everything. Everybody's missed an opportunity. But oh. NBC Fridays, tell us about that. Yeah, that was uh, a funny story. This is funny. NBC Fridays was, I can't remember. It was on late. So it was probably on like, I don't know what night. Well, it was on Friday, obviously. I can't remember what time it was on. This is the God's truth. I didn't have a car out there. I had a car and it was stolen. Oh boy. You know, it sucked, you know, and I'm out there and uh, there's a guy who was hanging out at the comedy clubs, he had a weird name, Johnny Zapp. He was just hanging out, you know? And uh, I said, geez, Johnny, I need a lift, you know? And it was like, he was almost like reluctant, you know, like he didn't want to go. And I go, well, you know, I'll try to find some, all right, I'll give you a ride. So he gives me a ride and he's in the audience and I'm doing my thing. The guy who gave me a ride heckled me. Oh, gee. I swear to God, he heckled the guy who drove me heckled me. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, and I'm up there and you know how I do this bit? Uh, yeah, yeah. Know, you remember that. You know, it was like uh, one day I was playing the field with my kid and a stranger said, your son has the body to be a great football player. And I said, shut up, that's my daughter, right? <laughs> so I'm doing the bit. Yeah. And I, you know, and I'm pausing at a certain point, right? And he yells out, shut up. And everybody starts laughing, <laughs> right? And- That's uh, how bits are born right there. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I said, oh, this is great. The guy who gave me a ride just heckled me, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And what happened was the producers of the show weren't happy that this guy did it. Oh. And so my my uh, spot was edited. Ah. Oh. It was a real drag. Never know and who you're going to upset. All right. This good. is one I remember great from when I was a kid. A&E's Evening at the Improv. What was that like? Uh, that was fun. It was uh, A&E was doing a lot of different shows. Uh, that was a very good show you know i i also did a and e comedy on the road right you did both of those and that was at the paradise in boston uh paradise was stitches was a comedy club yeah on the paradise but it was at the paradise i'll send you a video of that i thought that was one of my best spots you know of all time how how did they get you for that what did you just audition Uh, or well well no you were the they chose people from Boston that were well-known. Oh, okay. So you were one of the well-known comics. and The host was John Biner, who was uh, a classic old, old comedian way back in the Rodney days, you know, so he was the host. The director and I became pretty good friends, the director of the show. So he had, he did, even at the improv, he did Caroline's Comedy Hour. He did, um, well, Comedy on the Road. 
But you were you were also on Caroline's Comedy Hour, right? That was good. That was Colin Quinn was the host. Colin, yeah. Colin Quinn was the host, and but Comedy on the Road, everybody on that show was from Boston. It was a Boston thing, okay? Yeah, they go, you know, the different cities, and so the people from that city are on the show. That's why they call it. Right, right, right. Well, I remember what Nesson did an All Stars thing too, and you got to be on that, right? Because uh, it was one of the Boston guys. You're one of the legendary Boston guys. Yeah, that was fun, and the host was Gary Goldman. Uh, Gary yeah. is big on HBO now. Uh, he, he's he's really great. I mean, I think he's a dynamite. So here's a guy that works hard. He you know gets his stuff down. He's just an excellent performer. So he was the host. You know, he's yeah. nationally known. Now, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, going, yeah. He was a host, a great guy. All right, VH1 uh, stand up spotlight. Yeah, you know, for some reason, I'm drawing a blank on that one. I, I think it might have been in New York. Okay. I don't know, remember where or what, you know, but it's probably somewhere on my computer, you know. But I, I you've I, done I so much, it's tough to remember everything, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. How's okay. you, how you doing in comedy? Uh, Dennis, I was, you know, things were taking off really good until this pandemic hit, and that put all of us at a standstill. I just that something you know, what overnight, I man, everybody was shut down. Everybody was shut down. I had to do like I, I had to make a living somehow, you know, it's the God's truth. Yeah. I uh, what I, I got hired to participate in a controversial medical experiment. I told jokes, and Caitlyn Jenner laughed her nuts off. <laughs> okay. Oh, there's one. There's one. And then we sang the way we were. No, she was. Uh, you know, that was a trip. I'm trying to think of the other one. There was another one, uh, but I can't think of it right now. You know, trying to make a living. You know, somehow. All right. So you well, you're making a living. You sell uh, CDs, which back in the day you could put out a CD and make some money off it. Nowadays, with the Free computer download, you couldn't, but uh, you put out because that's the way I am, and I'm better than them. Tell us about those. Yeah, because that's the way I am. I recorded at the comic strip in New York. It's a comic strip. This is a truly interesting story. Um, and this album, by the way, Missy Shore in the West, it was it was vinyl, and it was black and white. And she she loved the album, and she put it in her case. Her case meaning when you walk into the main room, there I am. In the right. what do you call that? Like a glass case or something? A showcase, yeah, showcase. Yeah. yeah, that so that went there. So I'm opening up in New York. And the managers, the owner of the club are the managers of Eddie Murphy. All right. Ooh. I never met Eddie. Yeah. Uh, so when you're when you're on a show like that on a Saturday night, which is always the big night. They have like maybe 10 comics a show doing 15 minutes. 15 minutes, the comedy store thing, yeah. Yeah, so probably they're having like 20 comedians for the night. Right. What happened was, and this is a, you know, you know, right time, right place. So they knew I was making the album, the record company, the whole works, right? Yeah. That's where I want to do it. And they were the managers of Eddie Murphy. And Eddie was getting ready to do the Raw tour. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so what happened was because he was doing the thing and he's doing like an hour, they got they canceled everybody else but me. Oh, so I opened for Eddie Murphy. Open for Eddie, back into that one. 
and the back end of it, and the crowd was jacked like you wouldn't believe. Oh, it. yeah, Eddie, he gets the big guy. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a track. I, I can send you an MP3. I can pull it out, right? I'm better than them. Uh, very interesting thing with that album. I was in, I, I, you know, I did it. I recorded the stand-up spot in 2012. It's called the Capital Center for the Performing Arts in Concord, New Hampshire. I had done a few shows there prior, and I said, this is the place to do it. All right. It's about 2,000 people, maybe, you know? Well, I think you sent me something. You want me to play a little bit? Yeah, sure. That was, from, right. that was from that record, sure. Give okay. it a shot. Let me see what we got here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here we go. See what we got. Here's Chance Langdon. Well, I'll let you tell us. Let's listen to it then. You can tell us what we got. <laughs> yep. I can play it on my bum box right here. No. <laughs> the crowd is hissing me right now. Remember that. <laughs> That's a riot. That's so funny. Well, I, could you play videos by any chance? It's too late now, but could you know maybe in the next time? Do you have um, like a, a way of playing a video at all? Or? I don't know. I just have what you sent me there. The clips you sent me. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying for the future. I mean, can you actually play a video? from a TV showing like that? No, no, we can just hear it. They see us, but we can hear what was going on. But tell us about that. Uh, you mean the uh, the concert with, uh, it, it, yeah. Con oh, the one we just played there. What, what, I mean, you, you had them laughing in the first minute. You said the first minute, and you were getting laughs one after another, so. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the name of the game. And then you built. Right. So that first minute, okay, just, just theoretically. I'm Dennis Worth, I come out, and I just blew you away in one minute. Right. And now I get the next minute. So you're building and you're building and building. And then when you get to five minutes, it's not so, uh, there's no, the earth ain't gonna crash in, you know? Right. And I'm not talking about you specifically, I'm talking about anybody, and then you build, and before you know it, you got 20 minutes. Look at Stephen Wright, I mean, he had 20 minutes. One-liners, that's a lot of one-liners, too, yeah. And he did it just like it, when he's on stage. He always looks the same, right? He's yep, got the yep. mic in his face. He's meandering about, and all the jokes are outside the box, you know? So he created a stuff. So he did that in one minute. Same with Rodney, you know, one minute. Well, I figured that early. You got to, I, I put my one-liners up front because that got them laughing. Now, yeah. once they know you're funny, now they'll listen to a story if you want to tell it, where if you well, start out with a story, you haven't shown them you're funny yet, they don't want to listen to a story yet. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great way to do it. Like I say, it's not written in stone. Right, you got to win you know, them over, right? You can mix it, you know, if, if you need to. But is it playing there now, you know, to the audience or... 
No, no, it's back. I, I stopped it. Yeah, because you were asking me a question about the video. Oh. Or whatever. We got a couple more links. We can play those, but... Uh, okay. Yeah, just a, just a minute or something, you know? Yeah. We can play a minute. Well, I know you've opened for some great acts, and I mean, uh, you heard on Sirius XM, Dr. Demento, you've opened for Sticks, but uh, the one I want to talk about, you opened up for the legendary Joan Rivers. Tell us about that, because, I mean, when you say female comic, she's at the top of the list. Yeah, yeah. It was at the, I uh, can't remember, the Colonial Theater in Keene, New Hampshire. I think that was Rob Steen's gig, right? It was a Rob Steen gig, you know. He's got it happening in New Hampshire. He's done a, he's doing a great job. He's been, uh, he's got a lot of good things going. And oh, sure. It's very he's worked hard. So I opened up for Joan there, and this is the weird thing, honest to God. I think Joan has got a classy act. She's one-liners, yeah. you know, uh, classy all the way, right? Sure. For some reason, she felt she had an F-bomb like crazy. Now, I'm not approved. I, I say this. It's like a spice. Unless you're red, if you're red fox, every third word and every, right. you know, anything. Fuck this, fuck that, fuck everything. That's, yeah, that's his style, right? And then dirty, 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 F, right. F, 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 you know what I mean? And that was something. But Joan Rivers, like I say, classy act, one liners, funny, right? This is the weirdest thing, right? She's off stage and she's introducing me. Oh. This is Joan Rivers, and I'm so happy you're here. And like, please welcome a great comedian, Chance Fucking Langton. <laughs> That's your introduction. Yeah, that was my introduction. <laughs> and she was doing it on stage. She was just deaf bomber left and right. So I didn't think uh, it just sometimes people try to do something that they're not. Yeah, you've seen it happen, I'm sure. You know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Try to go yeah, outside yeah. them. So every crowd's different, though. I mean, some will accept dirty comedy, yeah. some won't. You yeah. Have to, every crowd's different. That's half the fun of it, right? Yeah. Every crowd is different. You know. So absolutely, that is the truth. You know. Well, but, the same crowd every night, it get boring. That's what keeps it fresh. You don't know what you're in for. You know. The best gig I ever did in a concert is when I opened for Sticks, and again because I was playing at the Paradise in the uh, Stitches. They were wired into big concert venues. Right. Okay. And Sticks, I opened for them. It's what is now the Xfinity Center. I saw New Willie Nelson there. Great venue. Incredible. Isn't that great? And oh, yeah. Just theater, right? Beautiful, right. Now, so again, I'm going to say, uh, so they call it the Great Woods back then. That was in Amherst. Yeah, right. Yeah, the big so outdoor shows. Them, and again, I'm going to say it again. When you're playing at a concert hall, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy, you know? So again, I walk out, you, you saw the venue. So I'm walking out, same thing, the lights are on me. The sound is fucking incredible. Amazing, yeah, yeah. Isn't, it, isn't that amazing? So that was the best gig I ever did in my life, in my mind. Okay. So exciting, you know, beautiful resume the globe. Uh, you know, I think he said it was Steve Morse who's been a, like a, a reporter for years there and i wish i could remember something like well, i got uh, it here the boston globe call you craft of the first order the boston herald call you uh dizzy array short fire laughs the la times had one word for you it was excellent uh louis ck and rolling stone said he heard you once on wbcn and credits you for uh inspiring him uh 
to do what he does. So what do you what do you think when you hear stuff like that? Everybody paying tribute to you. It feels good. It feels good because you you always want to get a good review, you know. And it isn't always like that. I mean, especially earlier on, you're just kind of hanging in there, you know. But it shows you've earned respect, right? I mean, that's the that shows you've yeah. earned the respect of the young comics. Yeah, it's just it's it's a lot of fun. But I'm trying to remember. Um, just something like something like uh, that that the, the opening, you know. I mean, they gave he gave sticks. Sticks was on fire. Right, 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 right. You know? They're a heck of a band, yeah. Uh, the, the beginning of the uh, Great Wood season was spectacular, something like this. The opening act could do no wrong. And Styx, this great, great hit maker, or this or that, uh, it was a perfect way to begin. 10,000 people strong. It was a beginning, it was a perfect beginning for the opening night at the great wood season something like that you know yeah, so, yeah, yeah. one of the dream was, nights in comedy right dream dream night and that was the night i wished i wished i had like a tv crew come in and film it it would have been so wise even if it was expensive right 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 it would have been a great memory and a great uh a great memory but you could also like advertisement it. piece right yeah you can send it to Comedy Central. Or oh, yeah, yeah. You always wish you had a camera going the night you nail it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah All yeah. right. Yeah, let's let's see what else you sent me over here. Let's Can we play another thing? Sure. All right. Let's see. Uh, tell us about this one. Let's see what we got here. Uh, this is I'm That Kind of Guy, I believe. That's the kind of guy I am. Yeah. <laughs> From here, it sounds like uh, dynamite is about to go off, you know? Right. Like the fuse is heading towards the dynamite. Only you and I know this, but. All right, so that was more your comedy there. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? We played Shut Up. Well, we'll save that one for the end, but. Uh, Good. That was a topic that That was. Well, can you hear me still, Chance? I can hear you. Okay, we got you back here. All right. Yeah. So we talked about some of the young comics that paid tribute to you. Now, a lot of these young comics open for you while you're out headlining. Is there any of the young comics there that really caught your eye you want to give a plug to here on the show that you think we should keep an eye out for? Well, I've seen some of the newer guys. Um, I'm thinking Mike Whitman is very funny. I don't know if you heard of him. Okay. Uh, I think that, uh, boy, these, these names are... Uh, I don't remember the names. I'm a face guy myself, right now. Other guys that were funny. I think Chris Post is good. I've seen okay. him. There's uh boy, just one guy. I can't remember his name, you know. But it, you, you know, I've seen a lot of promise in a lot of people. You know, I don't know if you ever been to the comedy studio, St. Cambridge. Or now back it's back in the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, it, it's ongoing now, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, they moved, but uh, they're out of the, what was it, the re Chinese restaurant they were in. They moved uh, somewhere else. but Yeah, they were in Harvard Square. I can't remember the name of the uh, the restaurant. Yeah, I'm trying to think of it now, right? Uh, it was on the third floor. I mean, if you got the guitar and you're lugging stuff up, boy, it's a real drag. You right, know? right, right. But, uh, you know, when I did a lot of stand-up, I was there with Gary Goldman one summer. He was there the whole summer getting ready to do a show he was doing on HBO. Can't remember what it was, but it was about being depressed. Oh, it was called Depression. That's what he called it. It was about being, going through depression. Right. So every night he was there, every single night in the summer. And I was there because I wanted to see, and he was working it out. He was, you know, cause he's got mounds of material, but he's got a new special, you know, so he's got to work it out. And he was, it was a blast watching him you know, figure out things, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think Rick there at the comedy studio has got a good eye for talent, but he, he, he tends more towards, you might say, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Uh, I think it's like liberal. If, if okay, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But there's good guys there, you know? He's got he's got a good eye, you know? And I see- No, Rick Jenkins, the comedy studio. Yeah, if you're a young comic, you want to get on TV, Rick's the guy. To get you ready for sure, yeah. That's, that's perfectly said. And you know what he's got? And this is amazing. And like I say, go down there and and watch the other comics. I mean, you can get on. It's an open mic, you know. Right. So what he's got there, and this is amazing. He has a video cam. And the sound is perfect. And the video yeah. is almost broadcast quality. And in that, that Ding Ho reunion show last week, yep. the spot I did, they did it there. Oh, they did? Okay. We got it out of there. And uh, the lighting is good. It's such an impressive... Uh, impressive venue, right? Yeah. Impressive in that way, you know? Impressive. Okay. You, you get like a dynamite video out of it. So, and, and, it, and it's like, you know, the older guys or the more established guys, they don't charge, you know? Yeah, yeah. But if there's anybody coming in, and this is a bargain, it's five bucks, just five bucks, and you get a video. Get a video, right? Yeah, yeah, I got one back in the day. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you want to get a five minute, let, let, the Hong Kong, I got the Hong Kong Chinese restaurant. That the was Hong the Kong. One. That's what it was. The oh, Hong we Kong. figured that out. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, so what you could do is this, Dennis. You could go there, and you could you can perceive or think about how would I do a five minute shot on TV, wherever it was. And by the way, it's not a proof, you know, I mean, you can, you can do things you might not think you could do, you know, but, yeah. but, you know, think about what show you would like to be on. Comedy Central, a certain show, whatever it is, it's a great place to work it out. That's right, what I'm, right, right. You know, so, and, and like I said, You're ready, right. And he had a video, he had a camera at the other place too, but it wasn't, this This camera was like. Right. Well, the podcasts are taking over now. The Joe Rogan podcast, that guy's getting millions and millions. Uh, they're he, saying he's hitting more people than The Tonight Show has available to him. So, I mean, oh, what's that for numbers? He, he is an amazing, amazing person. The way he was he, a Boston guy too, right, Joe Rogan? He was a Boston Another Boston guy. Another Boston guy. And, uh, you know, he he... He, there's a guy right there who created his own thing, like you're doing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He created his own space like nobody ever did. 
I heard through the grapevine, I heard through the grapevine that he got $800 million to, to do that show. Well, to, to go to Spotify. They, they gave him $100 million to go over to Spotify. Oh, just to exclusively put it on Spotify, yeah, right? That yeah. was $100 But he still got control of the show. He does what he wants, oh, but he, oh, the yeah. only place you can hear it now is there. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's an amazing, amazing yeah. person. Entrepreneur right there. He set the bar. He's he's great, and he's playing at Boston God. Yeah, okay. coming up, I saw that. Yeah, coming up shortly. Now, do you remember him back in the day when he was a young comic? Do you remember him on the yes, scene or no? Yes, I did. In fact, okay. you know, it, here's the God's truth. And and again, you know, you don't know the the thing you're doing. I did a syndicated show in New York. I, I'm sorry, New Jersey, and it was called Spotlight Cafe. And the producer of the show was a fairly well-known manager. And I did the set of my life. I played the guitar, just some wild stuff, you know? And uh, just, it was perfect. And so he calls me up the next week. He goes, you know, Chance, I like what you're doing there. I want to be a manager. And I said, well, you know, and I had this guy in LA who, you know, in the long run was just not effective, you know? Yeah. So I said, well, you know, Jeff, I got this other manager. Is there anybody in Boston you like? I go, well, you know what? I'm not sure exactly what you're looking for, but I named a couple of open mics, you know, and because he, he was thinking of younger guys. So he goes to this open mic and he goes, ah, nothing's good. And then this guy comes in, all right, I'm going to see what he's got. It was Joe Rogan. Oh. <laughs> and he signed Joe Rogan right then and there. Wow. And he got Joe a deal with Disney, I think, some, you know, like a TV deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was on a show called Talk Radio as an actor. Yeah, he got uh, a big break there. Yeah, it was his foot yeah. in the door. and That was on for five years. Royalties yeah, yeah. are going to be flying in. I call it money from heaven on Sirius XM. Yeah. When you can get paid for what you already did, right? <laughs> on Sirius XM, and again, I don't tell many people this. It paid my mortgage every right. month. Every month. I go, really, thank that you. That much, wow. You know, so there's a ways of doing that. But uh, so, yeah, Joe uh, was in, and then I saw him in LA. He was playing again at the comedy store. Right. So I would see him, you know, and I, I, I was, uh, here's a problem I had at, at a certain point in my career. It's a bit aloof. I was polite, you know, and maybe yeah. someone wants to, Talked to me, I was kind of aloof, you know, hey man, good to see you, you know, and then split, you know? But uh, I think it's very good, first of all, to be friendly, uh, you know, I don't, I was friendly, but you know, open up a little bit, you know, and just, yeah. you know, hear what's Then someone. you get to the point where people want to take advantage of you though, if you're too friendly, they want to yeah. try to take advantage of you. So there's yeah, a fine yeah. line you got to roll there. Yeah, it could be, but at any rate, he's a very, very impressive, a uh, guy and his show was fantastic. He set and, the bar for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I hope someday to do the show. I think when you go in that show, I think I think it would be cool just to go on. Obviously, right. I think it would be even better if you had something going on to go on. Advertise it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lenny Clark was on. Steve Sweeney was on. I mean, he remembered the Boston guys. Yeah. Sweeney had the movie. I can't remember the name of the movie. Can you know Sweeney Killing Sweeney? I believe it was. He just Sweeney did right. Sweeney. Yeah. Because he had that movie, they told him to come in. You know, right. and plug it. Yeah, sure. Plug the movie. 
you know? So uh, Sweeney was there at the beginning. Now Sweeney, sort of like Red Skelton, like I was saying, she does all those different characters, you know? I love Sweeney, he's the guy who gave me my break. I was, I was the local comic then Sweeney came on my TV show. Once I had Sweeney on, it was Jackie the Joke Man, Carla Bove, Tom Cotter, Lenny Clark. I mean, but Steve opened the door for me for sure. Were you doing a cable show? Is that what I it was, was doing a cable show, yeah, but I couldn't get the big names on until Steve came on. Once he Sweeney did it, yeah, I'll be right down. So yeah. he was a great guy for giving me a break. Good. Yeah, he's a dynamic performer, you know. Yeah. I think uh he's without question the best actor of all the community, yeah. I think. Well, he know? was in one of, what, Back to School at Rodney Dangerfield. He was in one of Dangerfield's movies, yeah. yeah. You don't believe this. I went to UMass Boston. It, UMass Boston was like, it's, the concept was, <clears throat> uh, you're getting a, a dream from Harvard, I'm sorry, a degree from Harvard for, uh, for peanuts, you know? Yeah. For the inner city, people from the inner city, right? I was from Quincy. You're not going to believe it. This is UMass Boston. It's before they get the campus now on the harbor. You know, it's really beautiful. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back then, they only had two buildings in a nice area, Boston Common. Yeah. But it was like two, you know, obscure buildings. Right. And the tuition was $350. Ooh. That was a tutor each year. So the whole, you got, you got a degree after four years, a little more than $1,400. Right. All right. And there was a guy there. <clears throat> I met a lot of creative people there. Lenny Clark went there for one, right? Right. Uh, Tony V went there. I'm pretty sure, I think. Uh, but anyway, there was this other guy going there. A guy's a year or two older than me. And he was having a, got a huge reputation as being the best actor in New England. It was Sweeney. Sweeney, yeah. It was Sweeney. He's, Sweeney. he's a character, character self. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, off stage, he's just a regular guy, you know? Yeah, yeah, he's a nice guy. But, well, you yeah. talk about Sweeney in the movies. I mean, you were in Eight Crazy Nights with Adam Sandler, so you've done some big movies yourself. How did that come about? That, uh, that was, it's it's so off the freaking wall, Dennis. And again, I think this might be because of going on TV and this thing or that, you know? Yeah. Totally off the wall. And I mean, I had no idea that Adam Sandler knew who I was from, you know, now, wasn't he a Boston guy, Adam Sandler, or no? He's from Worcester, uh, right? Manchester, New Hampshire. Oh, okay, Manchester. Right. I'm a New England guy. He used to come into Boston at Stitches. He used yeah. to come in there, you know, before we moved to New York, you know? So what happened was, it was 2002, and I get a call out of the blue from a guy named Brooks Arthur, who's a legendary uh, record producer and also... Uh, a music producer, you know, scores in movies and this, yeah. you know. So he called me up, hey, Chance, uh, my name's Brooks Arthur, and uh, uh, Adam wants you to be in this movie. <laughs> he wow. didn't even say Adam Sandler, and, I, and again, I didn't say Adam who. I go, well, that sounds great. Uh, who's in a movie? Well, Adam Sandler's in a movie. <laughs> then I clicked, right? <laughs> clicked yeah. Wow. Would have been really cool if I said, Adam who? What, what do you mean? What do you have to uh, no, so you so, must have made an impression on it. Obviously, Adam Sandler yeah. must have seen you somewhere and you made an impression on him to remember you. Yeah, that was an animated animated film, right? Yeah, yeah. Animated film. I would call it a comedy musical. Right. Okay. That guy's films though are oh my gosh, the audience that guy has are amazing. He played at the Xfinity Center. 
and they oh, gave yeah, me, I remember that. I almost went to see him. I missed that one, but yeah. A couple of years ago, they gave me, I was sitting the third row in from the bottom. Really? And, uh, backstage passes. Oh. Back, and back there was Gronk and Julian Edelman. They the Patriots, were ooh. You know, and... Uh, You're such, a Boston guy, sports are everything. <laughs> such a, every time I see him, the minute I walk in the door, he gives me the beer. Good to see right. him. That's great. He's such an upbeat guy. Yeah. But that was a musical. So I sang. I sang. That's what it was. I sang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sings. It was the be- I thought it was the best song. All the songs were good, but I thought this was the best one. And, and it was, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you that track, uh, you, know, ap- you know, after the fact. But uh, I sing. Oh, he sings first, then I sing. Then a lady. Nobody knows, but she was a Broadway star named Lainey Kazan. She was a star of Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah, so, yeah. My mom, I'd never seen it, but my mom loves that movie. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you said your mother has a record or? No, she saw the movie, The Big Fat Greek Wedding. She loved that movie. Oh, I've never oh. seen the movie, but she loved it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and then the last was Alison Krauss, yep. a very well known uh, country singer. Okay. Uh, Connor, they call. So here I here I am with the four, you know, the other three. It's just a beautiful thing, you know. And uh, it, it was it was an exciting experience, you know, and hanging out with those guys, and it was really cool. One of those magic moments in comedy. All right, so we've magic- talked about how you got started. We talked about what you've done. You've had a legendary career chance. You could stop now if you wanted to, but. You're like George Carlin. George Carlin made the money. He could have retired anytime, but he loved comedy. Yeah. Did it till the day he died. I think you're that kind of guy. If there's yeah. anything you haven't done yet, what would it be? What do, what do you want to do? Anything left on your bucket list? Yeah, you know, that's uh, <laughs> something I'm doing now, and it's so funny in a way. I, I, I'm going to tell you what happened. And, and, and again, I don't tell many people this, but this is a good lesson to learn. When I was in L.A. that time, 75, doing a comedy, I was really out there to be a recording artist as a songwriter. And, uh, and, and I had my friend and I, Russ, and we're still best of friends. Russ, we, we, we were good together. I could, we both sang together, and we were comical in a way, you know? Right. So he came out there. So Russ and I had been playing, performing together since we were 12 years old. 12 years old. So I wrote all these tunes. We go out there, and we get a we get an offer, a recording offer, a record company, Epic Records. So they, so they give me this, and I have a lawyer, and the deal sucks. Okay, the deal sucks. Okay. And the lawyer says, in his in his words, it's too expensive. But so you know what it is? They don't give a fuck whether you're uh, you know the Beatles. The Beatles. Get the worst recording contract. Right, right. They hope you love doing it. It'll make you sign a stupid contract, right? Right, right. right. But because you sign that contract and and you got a record, and if it's a hit, you're making a fucking bundle. Yeah, right. You you would be making, we absolutely would have made at least a hundred grand a piece way back. I'm talking like 75. And so we didn't take the deal and we ended up with nothing. That's how it goes. That's usually so, how it works in the business, uh, right? The lesson I learned is this. You don't you know. In, you make it, you establish it. It's almost like sports, you know? 
Yeah. Someone comes in, they're not making the big coin and, unless they're spectacular. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when Tom Brady joined the Patriots, he was the backup quarterback. He was yeah. making nuts. He was making nothing, frankly. Of course, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. He wasn't. He was a hoping for his chance, like anybody hoping for his chance. Yeah, that's right, and that's what that's all about. You do, yeah. you know, if if you go, you're, you're going to be playing at concert venues, meaning, you know, I want to call it a theater. I call it maybe a 300 seat type of place. Yeah. You know, has you know they have national act. We would have been a national act. Simple as that. Right. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you. Did, I'm going to send you a recording that we made from back then, you know, and yep. just to give you a taste of what it was, right? you know, but so that was a big mistake. So my advice to anybody, if they give you an offer and it's a national thing, do it and don't think twice about it. Right. Uh, did you see eight days, eight, eight days a week? It was the Ron Howard documentary about the Beatles. Uh, I don't believe I saw that one. No, I've seen some on the Beatles. I know that one don't ring a bell, though. Very interesting. Uh, the question was, a reporter asked, it was Ringo Starr. The Beatles were there, and I said, Ringo, and, and they were playing all around these stadiums, and everybody's screaming and yelling, especially the women. Yeah, yeah. The equipment in those days was not good. And the, so all they were doing was screaming, and, and you know how? They only did a half an hour. They only get a half hour set. Oh. Okay. And they're screaming and yelling. They can't, no one can hear the music and they can't hear themselves. Right. Right. So they said to Ringo Starr, well, why do you guys keep going around playing these shows uh, and no one can hear you? And he said, well, we have to do these shows because we signed the worst record deal in the history. <laughs> right. Right. Make any money. That's what we got to do. Yeah. Well, you know, the bottom line is this. The Beatles are the greatest for me. You know, right. I think they're spectacular, you know? And, and Paul McCartney is a billionaire. And the other three Beatles uh, are worth, you know, $500 million, their family. Ringo Stone, uh, he's worth $500 million. Yeah, yeah. And Paul's worth over a billion dollars. He's still touring, yeah. Ringo and the All-Star Band, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and George... Harrison's, you know, you know, his oh, they all made the money, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, they, yeah. All, they all made, they totaled over two billion dollars. Well, maybe you could do that before you die. Put together a documentary, everything you've seen, everything you've done, and that would be a. You know what? I think that's a great idea, Dennis. That would be a good one. Put all your clips in there. Put everything you've done in there. Yeah, you can produce it, Dennis. You know, well, I, I could just like Final Call podcast. Well, all right, yeah. we're getting toward the end, but uh, yeah, I think uh, it's a uh, response. You asked me a question. I've been writing songs. Yeah. I've been writing some non-comedy ballads, and I sent one to you or to your mother, maybe for Mother's Day, and I sent it to you to share with your mother, and your mother liked the song. Oh, yeah. We took a trip to Canada. We listened to it all the way up there. She loved it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. That, that was a song I wrote, and the singer, it's just beautiful. You know, her name was uh, Casey, and she's just a beautiful beautiful singer you know and it, that was that was luck right the finest lady she's young you know she's in her 20s the finest lady singing these tunes it was that was like one of the biggest breaks in my career 
because I when I get this out there, and and she was she's amazing. She has a Apple computer with perfect acoustics in the room that she had. So she produced a freaking track. Oh, there you go. So she put her vocals in. And the first time she did a song of mine, she puts the vocals in. And then she's singing harmonies with the vocals. And then she's, and then the, the, the guitar is balanced perfectly. Yeah. And when I got it, every time it comes back, she's a freaking genius. Pro you know, Tools, that'll make anybody, yeah, you can do anything yeah, you want in Pro Tools, for sure. And I'm way behind the curve. You, you sound like you got your act together. I'm, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. Technology, it ain't your thing, right? I understand. I, I, it's not my thing, you know? So I'm writing a lot of tunes. So I'm going to send you a few things, you know? Sure, I'll get them on the podcast. But, well, we got a friend of yours, Bill Campbell. We had him on the podcast, and I, I said you were going to be coming on. And he said, you were such a hustler back in the day. And I said, yeah. you got a good friend. He wouldn't sell you out. I said, give us a funny story I can hit Chance with. He's like, I don't yeah. want to throw Chance under the bus. But yeah. he told us one story that... There was a booker you kept calling and calling and calling for work, and, and he said he didn't have any yet. And finally, he called Bill and told Bill, hey, can you tell Chance stop calling me, man? I ain't got no work for him right now, but I'll call him when he does. And when Bill told you that, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I mean, you ended up calling him right when Bill told you the story. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, that's a riot. That, I mean, you do those things when you're young, you know? We were right. like... We were in our late 20s. You, you saw the cover of the Globe. Did you like that? The picture yeah. of the Globe? Yeah. There's Camp Bills in that, Lenny in the middle, Saving right in the bottom. All the Pop. legends, man. It's what you dream of when you're a kid. Be on a front page like that. That's your dream yeah. come true, right? Teddy Bergeron was a great Boston comedian. He right. ended up on the Tonight Show. Yeah, I know you've never seen him, but I've heard of him. I've heard of him. Yeah. He's got great stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, so he yeah. was in a picture of Don Gavin. It was really a cool. The legends. All right. Well, you've done it all. And like I said, Rodney gave gave you a, a break and he taught you a lot about the business. So I'll give you the same opportunity, Chance. A lot of young comics tune in this podcast. If you had yeah. some advice for the younger generation of comics, what advice would you give them? I would say to them, uh, try to be cool. Don't uh, try to, it's, it's hard to do this. Try to get rid of resentment in your mind and don't try to, <clears throat> don't try to compare yourself to others. Just do your thing and work it out and don't feel intimidated. Slowly but surely have patience. Like I said, the first minute, get that first minute down in all those dimensions that I said, and then work it up from there. If you go to an open mic and they tell you to do five minutes and you don't have five minutes, do a minute and blow them away. Blow them away. And guess what? Hey man, come on back. They're gonna have your back. They're not gonna be mad. They're gonna be impressed that you knocked them out in a minute because you could knock them out in a minute. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, so and I would say this, you know, when you're doing the other gigs, uh, do them, you know, if, if they offer you X amount of dollars to, to do a paying gig, uh, you know, <clears throat> go in and do it. If you got like if they hire you to do 10 minutes, when you work up to 10 minutes then go and do it, you know, just do it. And if you got five minutes and I hide, I'll tell you right now, if you get that one minute and blow them away. Now you get the second minute and you blow them away. How about if you do five minutes and you blow the fucking house up? You get remembered. You know, build for that, work for that, go to open mics. Be ready. Do a minute, just do a minute. 
you know, and, and uh, don't, don't be intimidated by five minutes. Right. And then just slowly but surely work your way. Look at Stephen Wright. He did 10 minutes and, and that was half of his act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. National act in, out of it. In that first week. Yeah. He did 10 minutes. That was half his act. You know, and then he had the other 20, you know, other 10. And then he, you know, but you know what's great? He's back in Boston. He's hanging out. You know, he's a great guy. He's always a Boston guy, just like you. You're always a Boston guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's a he's a great guy all the way, you know. All right. So we talk so much about your musical career. Can I play out one of your songs here? Is that okay? Chance? Sure. Fire right. away. Let's see what we got here. Some music by Chance Langdon right here. And you can tell us about it, and then we'll end on that. Here we go. Yeah.
Great tune right there, Chance. Tell us about it. What what song was that? Uh, uh, you sent it over. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, tell me if you love me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was a. Uh, <clears throat> that was in a studio we did that in Boston actually you know but I think it's got a it's a it's got a country feel to it I, I'd love to see somebody cover it you know somebody was that, that was you playing all the guitars there right uh my friend was playing lead guitar but it I was, was playing okay. guitar okay the, the bass player was just wonderful in, in the drama they were it was a tight recording you know so so I'm getting that thing out there I mean that's something that I'd like to get other people to do a cover of it, you know, that would be- Right, something. right, 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 yeah. But I, I don't even know the group, I looked them up. Somebody in Nashville said that uh, the Mavericks could do it uh, in, in Nashville. And I, I did want to mention this too. Yeah. Uh, I just uh, <clears throat> made somewhat of a, a deal with Fishman. Fishman is a, probably the leading world leader in acoustic pickups and amplifiers and things like that. And this has just been, it just happened like in the past week. So I'm a spokesperson. Oh, you got your own line of stuff you're a spokesperson for. And they gave me a beautiful amplifier, just spectacular. And I'm also in, they have a brochure is the right word, but probably on their website. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You're the spokesperson. Yeah, sure. That that are uh, on it, and so I am. Uh, I'm on their team. It's very exciting. They're right in Andover, you know. So sure, yeah, yeah. But they're known all around the world. They have a they have a shop in uh, shop a warehouse a business area in Nashville now, and so I mean they just they have so many things, uh, you know. Pick up well, we got G Vegas Buffalo Sauce here on the Funny Like Clown podcast. They're our sponsors, so it's yeah. always good to have somebody want you, right? Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, uh, let's get more sponsors in there too. Is that a possibility, or what do you think? That's, anything's possible. We can get them in. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's well, great. Chance, what a legendary career. Geez, music, uh, comedy. I'd I'd tell people Google Chance Langdon and check out more of your work and see what you've done. But I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. I had a blast, Dennis. Uh, I could talk all day to you, you know? You, you so, got great stories. It's a pleasure to listen to them because you've done in comedy what everybody dreams of and just to yeah. hear the stories of it, that's what we grew up on. Absolutely, Dennis. So, well, I wish you luck in the future. You too, Dennis. I know you're going to do great, and this is great, so congratulations. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon, Chance. Stay in touch. Okay, Dennis. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. Yep. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.